have you ever had the desire to write a book or someone says you should write a book, but you didn't know how to start? Today's guest is the answer to the how do I start and should I write a book questions. Book writing coach, published author, and speaker, Lisa Tenner. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Okay, so which one is the number one question you get asked? How do I start or should I write a book? Uh, how do I start? That's the number one question. Yeah. Yeah, Usually. and what is your your top advice that you give to them right off the bat? Right off the bat is actually really figuring out why you're doing it and, you know, what is your vision, what are your goals. Uh, sometimes people aren't that clear or, you know, they're thinking of one book, but when we talk about the vision and goals, it really seems to make much more sense to write a different book first. So that's where we start because that's going to help you write the right book and be glad that you started with that. Uh, and the other piece really is, you know, vision and goals. It's about sort of what you want for your life, for your business, or maybe even starting a new career. Uh, but then also what do you want your readers to experience? You know, what, who are you writing for and what transformation are you hoping to give them or you know maybe it's just to make them laugh that's okay too but what you know what do you want to give people okay now first of all if everybody is like feverishly trying to write down all of this information i will let you know you can go to her website lisa tenner.com and it's t-e-n-e-r lisa spelled the fabulous way l-i-s-a and <laughs> because i was actually a part of one of your teleseminars which was fantastic by the way thank you love, love, loved it. Because, you know, people are at different points in their writing. Maybe someone is like finally just dipping their toe in the water and they're scared. This is a good place to start to try one of your conferences or a call or write you an email. You are so accessible. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be and I do blogs, so I answer questions there too. Uh, but yeah, I think it is really important because people are in such different places and I think a lot of people have this in their heart to write a book or they've just known that they need to write a book and yet they feel so much lack of confidence and there's so much that can come up around it. You know, it may be teachers who told them they couldn't write or family members that, you know, told them to shut up. <laughs> um, but it really all comes up when you're thinking about writing a book. And so it is really important to get support and to find people who can teach you because you know, it isn't sort of a natural thing just to write a book for most people. And a lot of people, if they're just sort of taking notes and, you know, writing a little here or a little there without some organization, it's actually harder to turn that into a book than if you start out with some clarity and create a structure. You know, as creative people, we sometimes run away from structure, but the structure actually frees you and makes you more creative. All right, so let's talk about the evil outline. And I know I shouldn't call it evil, but I'm having a really hard time with my outline. Talk okay. about why an outline is important and, and how do we start an outline. Okay, great. So an outline is important because if you don't have structure uh, and you don't know where things go, it's just not going to be cohesive. It's going to be all over the place, and, uh, and and it doesn't benefit your readers. And it's much harder when you've got all these little pieces to try to organize it into some order later. You're going to end up throwing things away and wasting time. So, so it saves you a lot of time, and it brings a cohesiveness and flow that's going to benefit your reader and make it much more compelling and readable. 
but at the same time, your, your outline may change, but you'll see even if it changes, it's more of an organic process, and it will naturally still have a um, integrity to it that it wouldn't have if you just kind of writing here and there, hither and hither and yon. Yeah, um, yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or whatever outlines well, for all types of books. Okay, so my specialty is nonfiction, so I'm really focusing on nonfiction. There are different schools of thought about fiction, and I think there are different questions you're going to be asking when you're writing fiction. So mm-hmm. my focus is for like how-to books, memoir, some types of other nonfiction as well. And are each of the bullet points, like, I'm going to be honest with you, Lisa, it's been years since I've written an outline. And I'm kind of like, okay, is the first letter, like, a title chapter? What, how do I do that? Okay, so don't even start with, like, that outline you learned in school. Start with color-coded index cards. I love you! (laughs) Yeah, because you want to be able to move things around in the beginning and play with it, and it's got to be... Uh, dynamic and and you've you've got to, and it needs to be visual too. So uh, I like color coded uh, index cards. Some people really like mind mapping, and people can go to YouTube and look that up. There's a great video by the guy who invented it. It'll come up first, and you can you can look at that too because some people love that. I'm not a mind mapping person. I love the index cards, and you know you can have some cards with exercises and some cards with stories and some cards with themes you want to explore or you might have steps to a process and you can put those on the cards but then you can move things around see where they go what if i put the story here what if i put it here and really play with it and sometimes even if you don't have any idea of the structure as you put things on the cards a structure will naturally emerge so um that is my suggestion oh i love the idea with the index cards so we need to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the fear and the okay. doubt, because that comes up like, you know, a bad dinner uh, every, you know, every time people start thinking about writing their book. And I'll tell you what my monkey was, and, and you can address this. I, at, at first, I thought, oh, I'm not a Ph.D. or an expert. Uh-huh. I can't write a book. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's I mean, that's a common one. And. You know, there are different ways to write a book. You can write it as an expert Ph.D. who has all that theory. You can write it as a coach who has lots of experience and, or a consultant, clients you've helped. And you can write it from personal experience. And all of those are valid. And, again, it depends on your goals. If you're going for a traditional publisher and it's not a memoir, they may want to see more than just your personal story. So you may need to gather stories of other people or start helping other people. Offer a teleseminar and start helping other people, and then you can include their stories in the book. Um, but but it, it's certainly a valid question, and credibility is an issue, but it shouldn't be you know coming from that place of fear. It should be about, okay, what are my goals? Is it traditionally published or self-published? And you know what what credibility do I need? And your your personal experience is a very valid credibility. Uh, I have one of my clients right now, and she has a publisher, a traditional publisher, and she's just finishing up. Uh, her book. She's been in my book writing classes, and I helped her with her proposal. And her book is Step Ahead of Autism. Her name is Ann Burnett. And she's really writing about, she's writing a how-to book, so she needs to be an expert, but she's writing from her experience as a mom. And her son was very severely autistic, and uh, he he now, he's like in his junior year at Brown University. He was valedictorian of his high school class. 
the story is every chapter I'm moved to tears every time I read, even if I've read it chapter three or four <laughs> times now. And but she does offer, you know, she tell starts out with memoir elements, starts out talking about her personal experience, which is so powerful and so moving because she's doing the main thing you're supposed to do, which is show, don't tell. She's really great at specific details that show us, make it come alive for us. Uh, the second piece that she does after that is she introduces a step that parents can take that's illustrated by that story and some tools uh, to help them take that step so that they can really be the best parent for their child to help them overcome this really disability of autism. Mm -hmm. And so she's writing from her own experience, but she did help a lot of parents along the way. Teachers and administrators would just naturally send her people who were having trouble, and she did advise them, and she's followed up with some of these people. So it, you know, it can be really helpful if you want a traditional publisher to have some way that you're also helping other people. So you may want to start to do some of that if you're not doing that already. And you know, I'll also share that my first book was published by a major publisher. Uh, it's called The Ultimate Guide to Transforming Anger, and I was not my, – my anger expertise was my own personal experience, but I did team up with an anger expert, someone who'd actually been on Oprah and Montel. And so if you want to take the shortcut, and it might be a better book, too, in terms of some of the technical pieces, you can also have uh, – write the book with an expert or have the expert do some sidebars. And Anne actually does that in her book. Uh, one of the doctors she consulted when her son was young was T. Barry Brazelton, and he, of course, is one of the biggest experts in autism in the country. He's at Children's Hospital in Boston and has a center uh, for for helping uh, families. And he and uh, he is writing. He wrote the forward, and he's writing sidebars for some of the chapters from a doctor's perspective. So, so definitely. And then there's another doctor, I think, as well, writing some sidebars. So, you know, there are ways to bring in other expertise if you're concerned about that. Okay, so that takes care of that sort of doubt or fear. Um, and yeah. what about, oh, I won't have time. I don't have enough time. Well, you do. You're going to have to give up something and, and be more productive. So, you know, I actually am working on a book proposal right now, and I said, you know what, I'm blogging for this um, this particular blog that, you know, is for people who are in my audience, and it's a great opportunity, but I thought, you know what, I've just got too much on my plate, so I'm going to tell them that, I've got to take a few months off, or if they want to take me off the list, that's fine. But you really do have to start to take some things off your plate. And, and I've been delegating more. I have an intern, and I have a, a virtual assistant who's amazing. You know, So see how you can delegate. And, and maybe it's also having somebody cook meals or um, you know, having your kids help clean the house. But there, there are ways to create some time, but you're going to have to. And, and one of the biggest things that people, one of the side benefits of writing a book is you will get so good at boundaries because if there are people who, you know, kind of push boundaries and like mom just shows up unannounced, this happened to one of my students uh, <laughs> in the recent class, or, you know, uh, people who call on the phone and just want to talk for half an hour, sometimes even like, to get you to give them all these solutions to problems that then they're not going to really actually do. Right. Uh, those, you're going to set some limits with those people. You absolutely have to. And that's going to help you in all, all areas of your life, and it's going to help you step more into that empowered role. And so one of the things that happens when you write a book is you really expand as a person. You become bigger. And, you know, you just your light gets bigger and your power, your personal power gets bigger. And so... So 
as you do that, you you know, you just grow as a person when you're writing your book. And that, I think you grow into that person you aspire to be. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And and addressing the, the time thing like you did, I happen to have a writing partner, and we meet at a certain time every week. And so I know that during that day, during that time frame, it's almost like an appointment, like you would keep a dentist appointment or uh, an appointment with a client. And we sit there, and for that hour, hour and a half, or two hours, we write. And so there is a way to, you know, make time in your day to do this. Absolutely. Uh, and, the- and you're right. You have to schedule it in like it's a date, like it's an appointment, and you know, it's specific times, like 9 to 11 on Monday. You don't just say, oh, right on Monday and Tuesday. It's specifically, mm-hmm. it's in your calendar and mm-hmm. you're committed to it. Absolutely. One of the things you brought up during the teleseminar that, that I loved, and I, I can't believe I didn't even really focus on this, you said, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And then you, you discussed something about, well, someone said, well, everybody. I want everybody to read my book. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Well, that was, you know, my orientation when I wrote the anger book. I thought this is for people who push their anger in or lash out. So, therefore, it's pretty much everybody because very few people, I think, are totally healthy with their anger. Um, But what I realized was, you know, you can't sell a book to everybody, and it's really hard to market a book that's for everybody because nobody sees it as being for them. And so people don't just look for a book on anger. They're looking for a book that's going to help them with their relationships, you know, women looking for a book to help them with their relationships. Or um, it may be uh, really men who who uh, are having you know serious rage problems and really physical you know that would be a very different book and so and a different audience so you really want to think about yes your book can help lots of people but you want to write to a specific audience and here's the beauty of it when you write to that specific audience all these other people are going to be attracted to it who are not part of that audience you know their wife's going to get them the book or a friend will recommend it or their therapist will recommend it and say, oh, don't worry that it says women. This is really good for men, too. So it's it's going to naturally attract all these people outside of that core, but the core is going to know, oh, this is for me. And uh, there are going to be those people who kind of spread the word virally, some of those core audience people. Absolutely. And so when um, you, as a published author, when you get stuck or bored with what you're writing, what do you do? Well, I don't get bored too much. (laughs) Um, I I guess I'm lucky. Um, Well, I also, I have this five-step process for really writing in that state of flow. So if you're always connecting with your vision before you start writing and connecting with that muse, that creative part of you before you start writing and being clear what your goals are, you know, maybe it's the goal for the day too, like I want to finish chapter one or I want to, motivate my readers to read the rest of the book so I want to really write this first chapter in a way that's very motivating when you're clear of those goals um, and you have an outline that you're working from it really helps to you know not get stuck Um, and then the last piece of that five-step process I teach is giving thanks and that's such a powerful part of it too you know when you give thanks uh, it, it sets you up for the next time with that great energy. Of, even if you wrote one page and you wanted to write five, you're setting yourself up for more flow the next time by being grateful for that one page and you know focusing on the positive and what worked. That's right. An attitude of gratitude always, always helps. Yeah. Uh, differences between self-publishing and going with a company? 
So it's, oh, you know, this is ever-changing, but um, traditional publishers still offer a certain amount of cachet, credibility. Uh, it can help to get on national TV, but I know people who have gotten on national TV and other national coverage and are self-published. So it's just easier if you have a traditional publisher. And the last piece with a traditional publisher is distribution. So you you know they're going to get your book in bookstores. Having said that, uh, self-publishing is a great opportunity for somebody who wants their book soon, like maybe they're a coach or they're a consultant, and they want people uh, to really know, see them as an expert, and they want to attract a very specific ideal client. Great mm-hmm. tool for them. They they don't need to traditionally publish if they want to have that book fast and working for them in their business or speakers. Um, it's great for a speaker to have a traditionally published book, but it's also great to have a self-published book and have it sooner. Also, people who want control over the process. You know, if you're really tied to your name and your cover and your, I mean, title, title, cover, um, specifics in the book, and you don't want anybody to change anything, you may want to self-publish because a traditional publisher, you know, does have control over those pieces. I was surprised at that. I did not know that. And I'm thinking, wow, you mean you could write and work and think, oh, I love this as the title, and then if you go somebody, they can completely change it. Yeah, and they have, you know, they'll consult you. I mean, they certainly want you to be happy, but mm-hmm. they have the they have the ultimate say. And sometimes, you know, I have one client right now who's not 100% thrilled with her cover. She went back to her agent, and her agent said, you know, there's some really good things about the cover, too. And so, you know, I think... But, you know, ultimately that's the publisher's decision, and, and she can give them her opinion, but they don't have to listen. Mm-hmm. It's a good reason to have an agent, too, because your agent can sometimes convince them. You know, again, they may have the um, the final say, but if if the agent says, you know, who has a lot of experience with books, right, says, you know what, half this audience is men, and this, you know, this is a pink cover, that's just not going to work, uh, they're going to listen more to the agent than they might to a new author. Okay. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. I mean, and I don't want people to get, you know, overwhelmed with, oh, I had an agent and I need this and I need that. If you're just starting this process, and, and the reason I wanted to talk to Lisa is because of, you know, the information that she provided and her website. There are so many different options for you to get started right now. And you can hire Lisa to be your book writing coach, or you can check out her blog. Maybe you just have one question and you really want some, you know, an answer to it. You can write to Lisa. So I just want to thank you for sharing your gift, Lisa, because it truly is a gift. And I can, I can feel your passion right through your voice. And that makes me very happy. Thank you. Absolutely. So it's lisatenner.com, L-I-S-A-T-E-N-E-R. This is your time to write your book, people. No more excuses. There's a reason that you stopped and listened to this interview. So give Lisa um, a call or email her. Check out her website and start your creative process right now. Thank you so much, Lisa. My pleasure. And there is a free book writing e-course on the, on the website. Oh, fantastic. Okay, lisatenner.com. And thanks, everybody, for choosing to be positive now.